The following program was paid for by Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. The views and opinions expressed on Answers Live are not necessarily those of the staff and management of the station. Management has not investigated the claims made during this program. The views and medical recommendations of guests on Answers Live are not necessarily those of Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. As always, consult your health professional regarding any medical decisions. Welcome to Answers Live, your community medical connection, making a partnership of good health. The studio lines are open for your calls and questions. Call 973-267-9687. Now, here's your host, Tom Wood. Good morning and welcome to Answers Live, your community medical connection, creating a partnership of good health. I'm your host, Tom Wood from Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialist. We are the largest subspecialized neurosurgical group in the state of New Jersey with six offices located throughout the state. Our newest office is in Bedminster, New Jersey at 2345 Lamington Road in Bedminster, New Jersey, serving our Somerset County residents. Uh, the number to reach us directly at our Morristown office for any information is 973-285-7800. And our website to get all our information on what's coming around at Atlantic Neurosurgical is ansdocs.com. Again, that's ansdocs.com. Keep uh, visiting the website for our new launch, which is coming at the end of May of the new website. We're going to be having a lot of new information and educational sections on that site to educate you on all the different things that are going on in neurosurgery. Um, today, we are, of course, have another great show for you. I uh, brought in another uh, specialist in their field. Uh, we're going to be talking about a, a kind of a sensitive topic, a scary topic. We're going to be talking about another um, cancer topic, but this today it's going to be on head and neck cancer. So, of course, as usual, I look around to bring you the best specialist in our area, and um, he is the director of head and neck uh, surgery at uh, Morristown Memorial Hospital. His name is Dr. Eric Cohen. Good morning, Dr. Cohen. Good morning. It's great to be here today. Thank you so much for coming. Let me give you some phone numbers for Dr. Cohen before we get into discussing and finding a little bit about uh, Dr. Cohen. To reach his office, it's 973 Nine seven one seven three five five. Again, that's nine seven three nine seven one seven three five five. And he is part of Atlantic Health Systems, um, and he's out of the Morristown Memorial uh, Medical Center. That's the old name, Morristown Medical Center. Now, um, again, good morning to you, uh, Dr. Cohen. Um, before we start, a real short uh, blurb on uh, your background, so everyone knows uh, a little bit about you. Sure. Uh, thanks. So I uh, did my uh, medical training at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine in uh, New York, and I uh, went on to do my residency training in uh, otolaryngology, or uh, ENT, in uh, Temple University Hospital in Philadelphia. I did a, a head and neck cancer fellowship at uh, Memorial Sloan Kettering in, in the city. After that, I was uh, on the uh, faculty at uh, what was then UMDNJ, New Jersey Medical School in Newark for uh, f uh, for quite some time and then moved out about two years ago uh, to become the director of head and neck surgery at Morristown Medical Center. Okay. Well, that's great for the area. People here, you have an impressive resume there. Um, let's get into this topic, but before we get into the head and neck, a little bit of basic question is what is cancer? We hear so much about it. Again, in layman's term, what is cancer? Sure. So that's an excellent question. Uh, so I, basically, it's when some of the cells in your body uh, begin to become mutated or, or defective in some way and start to grow in an uncontrolled fashion and then can 
uh, invade into the surrounding tissue or spread it to other areas of the body, and that's kind of what defines something as a cancer. Okay, so it's like irregular cells that multiply and change and invade Correct. healthy tissue. Correct. Okay, since we're discussing this head and neck, uh, another good question I want to talk to you about is what types of cancer does head and neck cancer refer to? I know in our group we do the brain cancer, but this isn't, we're talking about brain what are we talking about when we say head and neck? Right. Uh, so it's a little bit of a misnomer because many people do think it means brain cancer. But really it refers mostly to cancers in the mouth, throat, and voice box, but also to cancers in like the nasal, in the nose and nasal cavity, the salivary glands, the thyroid, uh, basically most things in the head or neck area other than brain cancer or things related to your eye. Okay. Um, when you're mentioning all these types, you would never think of that, like uh, tonsils and salivary glands. So that's kind of scary uh, hearing that you can get cancers of that. Um, let's go over a little bit. What, what, types, uh, what would cause that type of cancer? I know there's a lot of things, but what are your basic things that we do every day that we shouldn't be doing that can cause <laughs> that type of cancer? So this, is the, this answer specifically is with regard to cancers in the mouth, okay. throat, or voice box, as opposed to salivary gland or thyroid, because those are kind of separate okay. uh, in terms of their cause and treatment. So for uh, cancers in the mouth and throat, still the primary cause is uh, cigarette smoking right. and excessive alcohol consumption. Uh, but it's been increasingly recognized and become increasingly more frequent over the past few decades that uh, a virus uh, has been associated with cancer, specifically in the back of the tongue and in the tonsil area, and that's a, a human papillomavirus, or HPV. Okay, and I do want to get into that a little bit more. Um, I guess one of the big questions are, how are these types of cancers treated? Are they curable? And if we can somewhat break them down individually, if we can, like the types of, the main types of cancer, so people can understand there are different ways to treat them? Sure. Uh, uh, the cancers in the... Uh, Mouth and mouth. throat. Yeah. So there, there, a type, a particular type of cancer called squamous cell carcinoma. It's kind of a long name. Okay. Um, but uh, depending on the location and depending on the stage, they can be treated in different ways. So some of them are treated primarily by doing surgery to remove it completely. Uh, in other cases, they're treated by a combination of chemotherapy and radiation treatment, or sometimes combinations of all of those treatments. Okay. Um, as I'm listening to you, how would someone even know that they have this type of cancer? I mean, you get a toothache, you know, you go to the doctor, you go to the dentist, and they can, they can analyze it. If there's some big mass or something on your tongue, a white patch, you would go to the doctor. A lot of this stuff you really don't know you have, or, or is there signs that you might have something like this? What, what should someone look for? There are definitely signs. So the most common signs or symptoms that people have that bring them to the doctor in the first place are uh, a painful sore in the mouth or some uh, a sore throat or swallowing difficulty or even pain during swallowing that is persistent. So if you have a, a cold sore, if you have a sore throat, a viral infection, a typical sort of a thing, it should get better in a week, maybe two weeks. But when people have a persistent problem uh, that's going on for three, four weeks, that's usually a sign that it should be evaluated, you know, probably by your primary uh, uh, care physician first to see if there's some uh, 
you know, more, more important problem going on. Occasionally, people also don't have any of those symptoms but have like a lump in the neck that's kind of gotten bigger or has been persistent for, for some time. Okay, and that lump doesn't have to be painful. It's usually not painful. Okay. It's usually not painful. When somebody has a like a strep throat or other type of infection, we often get reactive lymph nodes as part of your immune system acting up. And often uh, people have a little bit of a, some tenderness or a, a small lump in the upper part of the neck that's usually tender to the touch. And as the infection goes away, that, you know, that reactive lymph node goes away as well. So... Uh, that's a little bit different for a, a cancer-involved lymph node. Usually they're painless. Okay, and it's something that's persistent, so it doesn't go away. It does not go away, yeah. Okay, so the key takeaway that we're, we're listening to here is things that, that are persistent. So you have a sore throat that's persistent. You have a, a lump in your neck that's persistent. Um, and those are your keys that you should see your primary care physician to have that um, yeah. checked out. How about a cough? I know cough's usually associated with types of lung cancers and lung irritations. Would something in the throat cause a coughing, like a chronic cough at all? Occasionally, but not very commonly. It's more commonly, like you said, something like a lung cancer. However, uh, there are people who have the sense of needing to clear their throat from something going on uh, in the in the back of the throat or the voice box area, or sometimes hoarseness or voice changes. That can also be a, a sign. Again, if it's something that's persistent, if you have a laryngitis, it should get better in you know a week or two. And if it doesn't, that probably warrants some further evaluation. Okay. <clears throat> and smoking, again, on all my cancer shows usually is always coming up, and always the takeaway is uh, stop smoking. Uh, there are smoking cessation programs out there for everyone. And, and again, visit the Answers Live NJ website. And there's a couple shows on that for you to look into that. Especially recently, they've had those, I think they're kind of intense commercials on smoking. And most of them are showing a head and neck, that one guy with the voice box removal. And I know what they're trying to do with those commercials, and they definitely work. They're very in, in, intense. Um, but it's scary. Head and neck cancer is very, very scary. Um, is it on the rise? Uh in general, most head and neck cancers, the squamous cell carcinoma that we were talking about in the mouth and throat, in most, uh, in most areas in, uh, in the United States uh, and in also in most cancers in most sites in the mouth and throat are decreasing as the rate of smoking decreases. So there's a definite correlation. <laughs> However, you had asked earlier about causes of cancer. And I mentioned right. HPV. So the in the two areas where uh, HPV-associated cancers happen, which is in the back of the tongue, which we would call the base of tongue, and the tonsil area, that's actually been increasing over the past 30, 40 years or so. Uh, and that became recognized probably in the last 10 years or so that people noticed that the rates of certain cancers were increasing, whereas all the other ones were decreasing. And as our uh, technological abilities improved on how to actually detect the virus. Uh, uh, it was recognized that in those particular sites that an increasing percentage of those cancers had the actual HPV virus in the tumor cells that they were able to find, and it correlated almost exactly with the rate of increase uh, of cancers in, the, in those sites. Okay. Um, since we touched on that topic, I was going to ask you later, but let's stay on the topic um, before we go to a break. 
Um, HPV, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, what For people listening who have never heard of that, um, you say it's on the rise. A, why is it on the rise, if we can answer that question? And what exactly is it? Is there different strains? Are there, uh, you know, you do hear of HPV. It's been on the news. Um, what is it? So HPV is a virus. It's a family of viruses, really. There are hundreds of v- varieties. Most of them don't really do anything particularly bad. And they're common. They're all, they're all over the place. Everybody is exposed to them. But there are a few specific strains, four of them in particular, that have been associated with cancers. Uh, for many years, it's been known that it was the primary cause of cervical cancer in women, and almost 100% of them are thought to be caused by the virus. Uh, but in you know, there's one, maybe two strains that call, that have been associated with cancers in in the throat. Uh, they are probably spread mostly by person-to-person contact. Exactly how it happens, nobody really knows for sure. Certainly, there are some uh, high-risk sexual behaviors that can increase that risk. It's probably it's not the only way that it that it happens. And generally, uh, when someone's exposed to the to the virus, they have usually an asymptomatic infection and don't even know it. And most people clear it probably in a few weeks or a few months. There are probably some people who, who the virus is persistent and it just sits dormant for probably decades until uh, until something happens. Uh, now it doesn't mean something will happen, but it increases the well, risk it's of kind of like, like cancer in general you could have cells and then all of a sudden they start to replicate it's really. a little scary because one never really knows what what might be lurking but it's uh, you know it certainly doesn't mean that something bad will happen there's really no great way to detect it at this point there is no equivalent equivalent of like a pap smear right for the for the throat area um, I think we did a show on cervical cancer, and we did discuss HPV, but um, there was a test for that. So for the throat, there's nothing we can test for at this time. There are some probably not so effective ways of doing like uh, saliva tests or other things to see if there is HPV there, but uh, But how that exactly correlates, uh, it's not really clear. Also, if you detect HPV, it doesn't there's really not, there's not much one could do if you don't have any uh, you know any any manifestation of that if you don't have cancer there isn't like an antibiotic that you could take that would right. make it go away and there's really as of now there's really no effective screening technique uh, right. to to look for that so like I said you know there's so no really it would just yeah. panic you knowing you have this it could hurt you it could not now you're going to worry about something so that certainly is a possibility but that's also one reason why we why that sort of testing isn't routinely done now because we don't really know what to do with that information yet, right. and there may be a time where we do. But Okay. Well, we'll have to basically educate ourselves and just keep looking at the medical uh, yeah. advancements in that. There is some potential prevention technique, however, um, in the form of a vaccination. Okay. So it hasn't really been studied in that forum. Is that the Gardasil? Exactly. Yeah, my children so the, are, are right. So there, right. there are there are two there are two uh, vaccines against the HPV virus. One is against the two main cancer-causing strains. The other one is about uh, is uh, against the two cancer-causing strains and also two that cause genital warts. Right. And they were really developed for prevention of cervical cancer in women, and they were approved and recommended for uh, uh, for for girls right. uh, many years ago. Uh, but more recently, in the last, uh, I think it was two years ago, that it, they started recommending it now. The CDC began recommending it for the boys of the same age yeah, as well. Yeah, my son. My son actually got it. Right. So there's no direct data because you'd have to follow it for decades to know if it has an effect. But certainly right. it makes perfect sense that it would not not only increase, or sorry, decrease the risk of, of, of cancer in the throat, but also 
further decrease the risk of cervical cancer in, in women also. Right. And what yeah. I've learned, you have to have those um, before you're sexually active and before you're exposed to it. So as adults, you can't go to your doctor and say, I want to have this. That's right. exactly right. It's okay. a, after the fact, it doesn't work because the work. virus is already there. So it's a preventive thing. Yeah. Okay. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Dr. Eric Cohen from Morristown Medical Center. I'm Tom Wood of Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. Suffering from neck or back pain can truly disrupt your life. Every day I hear the stories of people whose lives have been disrupted by back pain, but who are afraid to see a neurosurgeon. They're scared of surgery. But at Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists, we make getting back to the life you want possible using a variety of minimally invasive treatments. Our group of specialists are among the best trained doctors in the state, the leaders in stroke and minimally invasive spine and brain tumor procedures, and we view surgery as the last option. Don't be afraid to end your pain. Trust Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. We have six offices throughout New Jersey and are affiliated with most healthcare systems. Call 973-285-7800 or visit us at ansdocs.com. That's ansdocs.com. Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialist. We've truly got your back. Welcome back to Answers Live. You're on the air with Dr. Eric Cohen. Let me give you that call-in number, which is 973-267-9687. I'm Tom Wood from Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialist. Again, we are the largest subspecialized neurosurgical group in the state, and we bring you every Sunday a different medical topic to educate the community on the uh, specialists in the area. And if you do have a medical issue, who to go to, visit my website, which is AnswersLiveNJ.com. Again, that's AnswersLiveNJ.com. And you can listen to these shows over and over again. And there's also an area there where you can send me questions and requests. And I'm sure to answer your questions and get those topics on the air as soon as I can. Okay, uh, for those of you who are just joining us, I'm on the air with Dr. Eric Cohen, who is the director of Head and Neck um, surgical Oncology at Morristown Medical Center, uh, part of Atlantic Health. And we're talking about head and neck cancer. And we've gone through about what cancer is and different types of cancers that affect the head and neck. Um, and we were discussing HPV virus, which is now linked to one of the reasons you can be getting um, cancers in the base of the tongue and the tonsil area. Dr. Cohen, um, let's go back into the topic. When you're being treated and your specialty, and you are um, truly a specialist in this area, what are your goals of treatment? So you have the patient that comes to you with a lump in their throat. Um, what is the process um, that they have to go through? So typically when a patient comes to me with something that's suggestive of a, uh, a cancerous tumor in the mouth or throat or something in that area. Usually we do a full examination in the office and typically some scans like a, a CAT scan or, or something like that. And we try to identify if there's an actual lump or growth that you can see or feel or that is evident on the scan. And if there is, typically we would do a biopsy to confirm the diagnosis. That's really the only way you could be 100% sure is by a, an actual biopsy diagnosis. Sure. Right. And you do that yourself, the biopsy? Depends. Most of the time, yes. Okay. Uh, but occasionally, if it's something that you can't uh, feel or see very well, sometimes we'll do image-guided biopsies, like an ultrasound-guided needle biopsy or something like that. Okay. Um, so they have the biopsy. Unfortunately, the results come back not too positive, and they now have a type of cancer. 
um, which is why they would be coming to see you. What are your goals of treatment, and what type of surgeries are there now for people? I know the advancements are enormous, and, and I know that's part of your specialty. So before the end of the show, let's discuss what you do and what magic you're doing over there <laughs> in, in your office. <laughs> well, it's not really magic, but uh, it depends very much on the on, on where the tumor is located and the size and stage of it. In the vast majority of cases, the treatment is intended to be curative. Okay. Uh, so in a, in a small percentage of people, we find that the tumor spread to some other area of the body, most commonly the lungs, and then it's a different situation. Uh, but that's a small percentage, so I would focus on the vast majority who have potentially curable tumors. Uh, depending on where they're located depends on how we typically treat it. So cancers in the mouth, uh, in the vast majority of cases, we're treating them by surgery to remove the tumor, sometimes a reconstructive to procedure, a reconstructive procedure to put back something that we've taken out, and then often but not always radiation treatment after, after the surgery is completed and people have healed up, particularly if it's a more advanced stage tumor, and that works well. Uh, tumors in other areas, such in the back of the throat, like the base of tongue and tonsil that we were talking about, or also in the voice box, uh, very often, uh, especially if it's a more advanced tumor, we're treating those patients primarily with a combination of chemotherapy and radiation treatment in an order to try to uh, avoid doing surgery to what we pr uh, preserve those areas, so what we call organ preservation treatment, so that people with advanced cancers of the voice box or larynx, that they don't need to have their voice box removed. and. Right. Uh, very uh, that's uh, successful in the majority of cases, so it actually works quite well. So for some of those people where the surgery would really have a, a, a rather large impact on their lifestyle, quality of life, swallowing function, speech function, we can often avoid that sort of a thing. We reserve it in case the tumor comes back or doesn't respond completely, but most of the time it does. Okay. Now there's also some newer treatment options that are available now. Uh, in, in particular for people who have tumors that are on the smaller side that are involving the back of the throat, such as the tonsil or base of tongue, and even the upper part of the voice box area, that we can do the surgery sometimes endoscopically or uh, what people often call a minimally invasive approach, where you can uh, do it th uh, through the open mouth with some specialized instruments, um, either using uh, the, the uh, a, a laser called a, a carbon dioxide laser, which is one way of removing tumors. And the newest thing is something called transoral robotic surgery. So I think a lot of people have heard about uh, robotic right. surgery, but particularly in reference, I think, to prostate surgery yeah, show on prostate, right. or, or also to uh, for hysterectomies and, and things like that, where the robot is helpful in operating in tight spaces right. because you have basically smaller, a little smaller hands and arms, essentially, to operate in tight spaces. Well, the back of the throat is, is exactly like that, except it's even smaller and tighter than in the other areas. Right. So in the past decade or so, uh, uh, perhaps even less, that robotic surgery had started to be used in that area. And in the past couple of years, it's been increasingly common. And it's something that we do at Morristown Medical Center as well. So for selected patients who have smaller tumors, uh, particularly in the tonsil and base of tongue, where we can do the surgery under anesthesia by opening the mouth widely. And, and it's the robot is controlled by the surgeon. So uh, sort of there's like a, a console that you sit at next to the patient and control the robotic arms. And you're basically doing 
the same type of surgery you otherwise would be doing. You're just uh, having the robot arms hold the instruments for you. So you're doing you. the surgery. It's just the robot arms that are your hands. Exactly. So you can do it with a greatly magnified view and with very tiny little hands and instruments rather than you know rather than human hands. And you can remove uh, a lot of tumors in that. Uh, in that way. And in some cases, we can do the surgery and avoid radiation treatment. And the recovery is, is, is pretty fast. It's pretty fast. Within a few weeks, most people are, are swallowing back to normal um, and their, you know, their voice is back to normal and the tumor's gone. Okay. Um, we've done a lot of cancer shows on, on, on this show here. Um, and listening to you talk today, a head and neck cancer seems, um, I mean, years ago we were having a discussion before the show, it was scary and, and the cure rates were low. It seems like getting to you on, you know, within a reasonable amount of time, we know with cancer it's all about time, um, seems curable if they get to you in, in the earlier stages. Um, how about later stages where people let things go, which unfortunately as humans we do. Um, what is the cure rate of your patients in general? I know you can't give a number to that, but what is your cure rate? Sure. Uh, that's an excellent question. Uh, a lot of head and neck cancers actually do present in later stages because often the symptoms are kind of nonspecific and people okay. don't realize that something bad is going on because they have a little bit of a sore throat, but really not much else. And who would have thought that a simple sore throat could be a, a terrible yeah. problem? Uh, but still, in most cases, it is potentially curable. In the uh, advanced cases, you know, we still can cure people probably half the time. Okay. Okay. Uh, the treatments often become a little bit more complicated and uh, more uh, different types of treatment are combined together. But as you, as you said, we have made a lot of advancements and a lot of refinements in how we treat patients so that we can get rid of the cancer, but we can also preserve people's swallowing function and speech function and quality of life issues. We pay a lot more attention to that now that we know a lot more. And we also have a lot better reconstructive options available, whereas... 30, 40 years ago, right. we didn't. Terrible. Like you were mentioning, yeah. we were talking about before the, the show that if you've seen patients who've had uh, who've had head and neck cancer operations a long time ago, you know, often they were cosmetically devastating and right. functionally devastating. And we've done a, we, we do a lot better now with putting things back together again. So the goal is not just to take the tumor out, but it's also to preserve life. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Out of all the um, head and neck cancers, are there one that's the most common that you see um, in your office, or is it really spread out across the the whole thing? Or are there some specifics you see a lot of, if at all? Well, uh, it's a good question. I think that amongst the, you often break them up into the the location where they start. So in the mouth or oral cavity, in the throat, or in the voice box, I would say the distribution between those different sites is is about even. Okay. It's about even. I think statistically it's, I don't know the exact numbers offhand, but right. they're pretty close to each other. Okay. And um, the number one, probably I say for people who are listening, we have to educate people, what are the best ways to avoid getting head and neck cancer? Despite the discussion about HPV, really uh, stopping smoking or not starting smoking in the first place is the single most important thing you can do. Uh, I think uh, drinking alcohol in moderation is also extremely important because the drinking al- uh, excessively alone is a risk factor for cancers in the throat. And certainly the combination of drinking and smoking together has a, a, an extremely uh, increased risk of uh, getting cancer. So those are the most important things. And I think in the future, perhaps the HPV vaccination has the possibility of having, I think, a big that. impact on 
on, on uh, cancers in the tonsil and base right. of tongue. How about like chemical exposures? We've done a few shows where now the preservatives and foods, have, have they linked any of that? Because you think about everything you eat, drink, of course, passes through your throat. So anything with that at all? I don't think there's anything that is definitively proven to be that. It certainly makes sense since, you know, uh, uh, cigarette smoking and tobacco causes cancer because there are carcinogens in it. Right. It would make logical sense that other carcinogens could cause it. Um, but there's no specific thing that one could point their finger to and say that's the cause. Okay. Uh, so That's a good answer, though, yeah. definitely. Um, before we close the show, um, like I said, I know um, the, the how great you are and what you're doing there at Morristown. But for the people listening to us this morning, um, what's the takeaway message you want them to know about the head and neck cancer and coming to see you at your office? Um, I think the takeaway message is that if you have... Uh, one of those symptoms that is uh, that that could be a sign of that that you seek medical attention early on rather than waiting until things progress. Right. So seeing your your primary doctor early on to to check on something is is an excellent idea uh, because the earlier stage and the smaller things are and the earlier you pick it up, the easier it is to treat and the more likely to be successful. And uh, uh, people are always looking for things that they can do themselves that might help. Uh, or uh, prevent or avoid the cancers in the first place. And I think avoiding those risk factors is uh, is key. Definitely. Um, so you all heard that. So again, get on your smoking cessation uh, <laughs> sessions. Um, that was Dr. Eric Cohen. He is the director of head and neck uh, surgery at Morristown Medical Center. Um, he is on the cutting edge. He is doing um, some really advanced procedures, uh, just like we are at, uh, at Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialist. Again, to reach him, it's 973-971-7355. You can go on to AnswersLiveNJ.com and leave me a message if you want to ask Dr. Cohen a question. I will surely get it to him. Uh, we'll probably be bringing him back in the future due to a couple sh uh, more shows on some different topics relating to this. I want to thank you again for joining me uh, this morning, Dr. Cohen. It was wonderful to be educated on this topic. Again, I'm Tom Wood from Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialist. To reach our office, it's 973-285-7800, and have a wonderful Sunday. Join us again next week for Answers Live, your community medical connection making a partnership of good health. The preceding program was paid for by Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. The views and opinions expressed on Answers Live are not necessarily those of the staff and management of the station. Management has not investigated the claims made during this program. The views and medical recommendations of guests on Answers Live are not necessarily those of Atlantic Neurosurgical Specialists. As always, consult your health professional regarding any medical decisions.